Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the James McDonald Podcast, where we say love to live to love. That's our focus, that's our passion, and we invite you to let God's Word have that impact in your life right now. Here's Pastor James. The title of the message, The Lamb of Heaven, and one of the most worshipful portions uh, in all of God's Word. So study, uh, worship, apply, worship some more. That's where we're going and just to give ourselves afresh to Jesus Christ. Now, four things we learn uh, here in verses 6 through 10, first of all, about uh, the Lamb of Heaven, Jesus Christ. Jot this down, first of all, the Lamb is central. All right? Let's just focus our thoughts and our hearts upon Jesus Christ and Him exclusively. Could you really give your mind to Him for a few minutes and just think about Him? Uh, let's uh, have Him worshipped in, in the way He's proclaimed And let's have him worshiped uh, here in the way that we hear the word of God. Revelation uh, chapter uh, 5, verse 6, says this. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Let's just take that a phrase at a time. I notice that it says, I saw, actually, uh, in my translation, that's later in the verse, but um, uh, in the original, that's the first thing in the sentence, I saw. This is the third time in this chapter that John says, I saw. He's having a vision of heaven, and yet another change of scenes, but now they're coming more quickly, accelerating uh, the view uh, to a crescendo. He says, I saw uh, a lamb. contrast is striking because as we finished the message uh, last time, uh, Jesus was not a lamb, but do you remember? He was the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I mean, what, what a difference. Uh, a lion is a, a fierce uh, predator. And uh, that's how Jesus was seen as the conquering lion, a fierce predator. And now he's seen as the conquered lamb. Conqueror or conquered? Which is it? Uh, In God's sovereignty, of course, the great news is is that it's both. And uh, here we see Jesus not as a ferocious predator, but as a vulnerable prey. Uh, But notice this, I saw a lamb, this is the surprising part, standing as though it had been slain. The word uh, for slain there uh, means a bloody, violent death. It's the same word that is used of Cain's murder in 1 John 3, 2. So slain, uh, you, would, you would picture a person who had suffered a, a bloody, violent death. <coughs> you wouldn't picture them uh, standing, would you? How would you picture them? Uh, they'd, be they'd be laying down, uh, for sure. And so um, this is really awesome. Uh, the cross was vertical. Uh, Jesus is not beaten. Uh, nothing is over. Uh, he's standing as, standing as a lamb uh, who has been slain. And then notice, with seven horns... Uh, yet another transformation, and uh, now he's not defeated. Uh, he's standing again as a conquering lamb. And so you can see in the vision, he's going back and forth between Christ in the past, the one who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sin, the lamb, and yet Christ in the future, the one who is a conquering lion. And so even the lamb is transformed. Uh, actually, the horns of the ram uh, are, are symbols uh, of their power. And uh, not having uh, two horns, but having how many? Seven, well, which is the number of completion. And uh, 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 this is a shofar, and uh, this is one ram's horn. 
And uh, this was a picture of great virility and uh, great power. And you imagine, not, not a conquered slain lamb, but now with these seven uh, horns, uh, they would actually take this and blow this. This is the sound that they blew uh, from Mount Sinai uh, when uh, the Ten Commandments was given. And uh, this is the sound uh, that came forth when they were marching around Jericho before they conquered it. It's a, it's a picture of God's presence conquering. And want to hear it? I'm, I'm pretty good at this. How many people, I actually played Silent Night on this for my uh, family on Christmas Eve. Um, hands up if you believe that. It's good, huh? And they would blow that uh, before they would go into battle. Do you want to clap? Yeah. Not a lot of skill there. Plus, I'm so nervous in front of you guys. But... Um, a picture of power, that's what I'm trying to get across to you, and, and a symbol of conquering. And so when it says that he sees a ram having seven horns, that's omnipotence, total conquering power. And now look, omniscience, not just seven horns, but seven what? Eyes, that's omniscience. Not just able to conquer everything, but sees everything. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, sees everything. Nothing escapes his notice. Nothing on the earth from sea to sea. Everything that happens is, is, the Bible says that we are open and bare to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. There's no hiding. There's no, there's no uh, uh, protecting from his gaze the choices that we make, good or bad. So the lamb, the most common biblical image for Christ as Messiah, as the sin bearer. In the Old Testament, of course, the priest would take a lamb into the Holy of Holies and slaughter it there as an atonement for people's sin. And then when Jesus Christ came, do you remember when John the Baptist, the first words out of his mouth when he saw Jesus Christ, he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, all those Old Testament lambs were just a prefiguring of what Christ would do. That he's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. This was always God's plan that Christ would give his life as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. But the part that I want to emphasize in verse 6 is this where you see it says, and between the throne and among the elders. New American Standard says between. New King James translates it in the midst of. NIV says in the center of the throne. The idea here is, is of course, hey, I don't know what it was like at your house at Christmas, but at our house at Christmas, everything revolves around one person. All right, my wife. She sets the schedule, she plans the meals, she sets the time, she wraps the presents, she tells us, uh, I mean, at your house, does anyone come and ask dad when we're opening presents? I would have opened them like two days before. She, she, everything, she sets the whole schedule and, and she, she just runs the whole thing. She does an amazing job of it. Nobody wants it any different. I'm telling you, we're not even protesting, all right? It's just the way it is. I don't know if it's like that at your house, but at our house, it's... She's right there in the middle of it all. And with new events starting, come on, Mom, come on in here. We're going to do this now. And, 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 uh, and if Mama ain't happy? Right, right. That's the way it really is. Now, that's just a kind of a silly illustration uh, to say that um, just as often the mother is the center of the home as it should be. In heaven, Jesus Christ is at the center 
It, I'm telling you, all the circles are around him. In the midst, see, and, and around, all of it is about Jesus Christ being at the center. Now keep that in your mind, because we're going to come back after we worship, and we're going to talk about how that's going on in your life, all right? But for now, make a mental note of that, or jot it down if you like, to the lamb is central. Here's the second thing. Notice in verse 7, the lamb is worthy. This person we're talking about, Jesus Christ, he's worthy. Notice it says in verse 7 that he went and took the scroll. Now don't try to imagine the lamb as having seven eyes and seven horns and as, okay, these are all figures to help us understand. Right? Don't, don't try to picture, okay, I see this guy with these horns and these eyes. No, no, it's to communicate his power. It's to communicate uh, his ability to see and know everything. It's a picture. And so Jesus Christ went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. That's God the Father. We studied that last week. Do you remember the whole thing about who is worthy to open the scroll? The scroll contains the details of God's plan for vindication. The Bible says the first promise in all of Scripture, Genesis 3.15, the protevangelium it's called, that someday from the woman would come someone, uh, he would bruise uh, the Messiah's heel, but the serpent would have his head crushed, okay? Now Romans uh, ends in chapter 16 that the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet, all right? And, and the, seven, the, the seals are the story of God's winning the battle, balancing the books of justice, casting the enemy into the lake of fire. Who's worthy to open that? Remember, we learned that the word worthy means having the weight only Jesus Christ, God's son, the conquering lamb, only he has the authority, only he has the weight. Do you remember our little picture here? And, and uh, we talked about uh, different people who were worthy to open the scroll. Who was worthy to open this message of justice from God? No one on heaven, no one on earth, no one under the earth, no one living, no one dead, no one on heaven, no one on, uh, on earth was worthy, had the weight to open this message. Only Jesus Christ is, has the weight, the authority to open a message that will bring to culmination all of human history. That's what we mean when we say he's worthy. Think of the people in human history who've claimed ultimate authority. There's been quite a few of them. Call out what name comes to mind in terms of people who have claimed authority over the earth. Hitler, for sure. Who else? Alexander the Great. Caesar. Genghis Khan. I mean, the list goes on. And there's quite a list if you study history of people who have said, it's me. I have authority over the whole earth. They're all dead. That was like a little flash in the pan there, doesn't it, when you look at the throw of human history? Only Jesus Christ stands supreme. And someday, very soon, everyone say soon, he's going to step to the world stage and he's going to set everything right. And he's going to win every war and balance every book of justice. And the seals are the plan. And he's the only one who has the weight to open the book. Just him. The lamb is central. The lamb is worthy. Note this. The lamb is worshipped. Well, obviously, he's to be worshipped. Look at verse 8. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures 
and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Prostration was a common form of worship in the ancient world. Frequently in Revelation, when angels or humans meet God, they get as low as they can, as fast as they can. I want you to think about that. You're in the second category. No angels here. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you're not an angel. (laughs) All right? We're human beings. Now look up here. Every human being who makes real contact with God, when you really meet God, when you're really in his presence, the first thing that you want to do is you want to get as low as you can, as fast as you can. I don't want anything in me elevated. I don't want anything in me up. I want to get down low before this. That's part of worship. We don't often get on our knees. We should do it more frequently. But is my heart elevated before God? Or is it contrite and humble and low before him? The lamb is to be worshipped. Notice this. This is incredible. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp. Now, that's not one of those big harps, you know, that you need a forklift to move, okay? Hey, wow, that'd be quite something. Each one of, no, actually, it was a smaller instrument. With, here's a picture, maybe uh, 10 or 12 strings. And the thing that I like about this is, notice, each one was holding a harp. Each How many people here cannot play any musical instrument in any way that they would want someone to hear? Put up your hand if that's you. All right? But here's the cool thing. Sometimes some of us, we feel restricted in our worship. We're like, wow, I wish I could be like those people up there. I mean, I wish I had their gifts. I I mean, I understand why they're leading us because they can do things that we can't do. But it's not going to be like that in heaven. It's not going to be like that in heaven. Just so you know. It's not going to be like that in heaven. All right? Everyone say it's not going to be like that. They're going to be just like us in heaven. Preachers, we're going to be out of work. No preaching in heaven. So, um, but we're all going to be worshiping. Everyone's going to have their own harp. I mean, if you were to look up and down the rows here, maybe you're like some of us and you see the freedom and, and the joy and the focus with which some people worship. And they're good examples to others of us. But in heaven, there'll be no restriction of any kind. Everyone 100% fully engaged, giving the lamb uh, his due, worshiping him as he he is worthy to be worshiped. It's going to be awesome. And then look at this next phrase. This blows me away more than anything. 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp. And golden bowls, those were used in the Old Testament in worship, um, full of incense... It would be burned, and it was a pleasing aroma. But here, it, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. I mean, that's unbelievable. They're, they're holding this, this aroma that is pleasing to God, but instead of, the, in the Old Testament, what was pleasing to God was the smell of the burnt offering, which was an atonement for sin. Now what's pleasing to God, because the sacrifice of sin has already been made, done, once for all, now what's pleasing to God is, i got to tell you, this blew me away when I studied this this week. It's the prayers of his people. That's what's pleasing to God. That's the aroma that rises up to God and blesses his heart. It's when we're praying i got to tell you, since I studied this, I, I haven't been able to stop praying. Not, not a problem, really. I'm, I'm just thrilled in my spirit by the idea that my prayers 
are an incense to God. You know, I always knew that prayer was uh, prescribed. First Thessalonians 5 says, pray without ceasing. I always knew that prayer was persuasive. Jeremiah, or, uh, James chapter 5 says that the prayer of a righteous man results in much. So I knew that we were supposed to pray, and I knew that prayer affected things, but I don't think I ever really got hold of the idea that my prayers, look, are pleasing to God, that it blesses his heart when, when we pray. Let's just take a second and, and just pray about that right now. Father, I just want to just say to you in front of my brothers and sisters how stirred my heart is with the idea, the truth that our prayers bless you, that when we express faith to you, when we open our hearts and bring our praise and our confession and our petition, that somehow all of it, God, it's not a matter of duty, it's not a matter of uh, somehow that you're willing, but beyond that, Lord, that it blesses you, that it pleases you. And I pray and ask that, that I, that we, would make better use of this incredible opportunity that we have, not just to receive from you, God, but to bless you. Might the prayers of my heart, might the prayers of our church rise continually as an incense, as an offering, as a blessing to your heart, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The lamb is central, he's worthy, he's worshiped. Notice this, he's a conqueror. The lamb is a conqueror. Verse nine and 10 says, and they sang, what kind of song did they sing? What kind of song did they sing? A lot of talk in a lot of churches, not so much here, because we don't really have ears for it, but a lot of churches spend a lot of time talking about this kind of music, that kind of music, the kind of music, you know, and, and uh, that's one of the great things about starting a church, because if people come up to me and they're like, hey, I wish we would sing this, I was like, I was here first. <laughs> and, and, uh, but here's what's really interesting. Um, people are like, well, I kind of like hymns, or I kind of like this song or that song. Well, here, God only ever tells us one time the kind of song he likes. He doesn't tell us I like, you know, with the guitars, or I like with the piano, or I like with the organ, or I like with the whatever. He never, never even comes, doesn't even come up in the Bible. Apparently, God does not have an instrumental preference, because uh, I think if he wanted something specific, he could have told us, right? He sure didn't go short on other things he really wants. So, um, but in regard to music, the only thing that God ever tells us, he's like, I like new songs. Now, nine times in the Bible, God says, sing to me a new song, sing a new song. Sing. I think when we stand up to sing old songs, God's like, get any new songs? I've been listening to that one for a long time. But I don't think it's really about old or new. I think it's really about this. God wants songs that come from our heart. I'm thankful for gifted people in our church who write worship music, that have gifts and abilities we don't have. Because I know that God wants us to sing fresh expressions of our relationship with him. Not, not old songs, not borrowed spirituality. I, I hope that Charles Wesley had a great relationship with God a couple hundred years ago or whatever. But, but what have we got to say to God? What's coming from our heart and our gifts as expressions to him? Apparently, that's what he's really going for. New, not borrowed or old or others. Mine, now, new. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll. Again, he has the weight to take the scroll and to open its seals. All that we'll be studying beginning in January. For you were slain 
and by your blood you ransomed people for God. NIV says purchased. New King James says redeemed. It's a marketplace term. The price had to be paid for our sin. We could not pay, and Jesus paid for us. He ransomed us. You ransom people for God. Notice, from every tribe and language and people and nation. Look up here for a minute. Greatest thing going on at Harvest in the last five years. Growing racial diversity in our church. All right? I've said this before, I'll say it again. Any racial minority in this society, by the way, there's lots of places that you could go in the world and be the minority. But in our society, any racial minority that chooses to worship in our church is royalty here. Because it's God's heart. This is not a fad in the church, all right? This is said, I think, uh, uh, nine different times uh, this is said uh, in uh, the book of Revelation that this is God's heart. Notice it in the text. You have made uh, from every tribe and language and people and nation. What's supposed to be going on here is we're supposed to be getting together people from every tribe and tongue and nation because what we have in common is more important than what the world says separates us. Am I right? All right? What we have in common is more important than what the world says separates us. And I just love it that in church we can get together along the lines of Scripture, which is if you love Jesus Christ, if you know him personally, if you believe the word of God, this is the place for you. This is the place for you. We're getting together about what we have in common, and we're disregarding what the world says separates us. Everyone say amen. Amen. We're disregarding what the world says separates us. Say it again. All right? We're disregarding what the world says separates us from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom. We're in the same family. We're a kingdom of priests. The idea of us being priests, do you know what the idea of us being priests is? Stand up here for a second. What it means is, is, is that we're, um, we're equal before God. Okay, I'm not like playing on a higher level than the level you're playing on. We're all playing on the same level. Everyone say amen again. All right, I'm the coach, okay? I don't wear different clothes. I don't, I don't have different, you don't all come and buy. What, what weirdness that is when, 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 when religion elevates a human being. We're, everyone say we're all priests, all right? We're all priests. We all have access to God. I'm like the coach. All right? I'm coaching all of us to access everything that God's word promises to us as priests, as sons and daughters of the living God. Write down the reference, 1 Timothy 2.5. There is one mediator between God and man. All right? Don't call anybody father. We're all priests. All right? There's one mediator between God and man. That's the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5. And this lamb is a conqueror. He ransomed us. He made us a kingdom of priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. You know, over and over, the Bible promises uh, that we're going to reign with Christ on the earth, all right? For a thousand years. We'll get to that in the book of Revelation in the springtime. And we're going to reign with him on earth. Every one of us, kingdom of priests, sons and daughters of the living God. We're going to reign and rule with him. That rules. We're going to rule with him, all right? We're all moving to the White House of the universe, and we're gonna reign and rule with Jesus Christ. I can't wait. Worship team's gonna come and we're gonna worship now. Stand up. Bible again. And let's go back over those exact four truths. 
The lamb is central, he's worthy, he's worshipped, and he's a conqueror. The same four themes come up in the rest of the chapter. But let's uh, take the focus from what he is universally, and let's begin to ask the question, yes, he's that in heaven, yes, he's that in the universe, but is he that in my life? Start here. The lamb is central. Central to me? Is he central to me? Because I think that's the important question. That's the only thing that I can affect. I can't make Jesus Christ the center of my church. I can't make Jesus Christ the center of my family even, though I can sure try. The only place that I can make sure, the only place that I will be accountable for, Jesus Christ reigning is in me. Central to me, look at verse 11. Then I looked. Boy, these visions are really accelerating. Then I looked, vision number four in this chapter, and I heard, he's looking and hearing, looking and hearing, seeing and hearing, I heard around the throne and the living creatures and, in the, and the elders the voice of many angels, before we even get to the angels. He's describing outer circles here. Have you been following from chapter 4? Uh, first of all is the rainbow, chapter 4, verse 3. That encircles the throne, like they're the concentric circles. And then outside the circle of the rainbow, the lamb is in the center, the throne of God, the Father's in the center. Chapter 4, verse 3, the emerald rainbow. Chapter 4, verse 4, the second circle is the elders. Chapter 4, verse 6, the third circle is the four creatures. Now the fourth circle, a winged, golden, shining circle. Daniel 7, 10 says, a thousand thousands served him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. Now here the term is myriads, the Greek uh, myrias. New King James and NIV translate it 10,000 times 10,000. It's actually the largest Greek number. So does it mean 10,000 or does it just mean too large to count? We don't know for sure. All we know is the entire created angelic host, however many there are, are circling uh, the, the outer circle. They're circling the throne room of God. One word comes to mind to describe that picture. The word is? What's the word? There's only one word. I've been saving it for God. What is it? Awesome. It's awesome. And, and somebody said to me this week, you know, James, you need to just let that go. You should let that go, man. The word awesome's gone. I said, no, you let it go, I said. All right? And, and, and I'd rather struggle on Thursdays to describe my Christmas present or Friday. I'd rather struggle for a term to describe my new shoes than get to church and have no words left for God. I'm saving some words for God. I was talking to a buddy of mine this morning, and, uh, and that we were looking at a particular uh, thing, and, and he said, uh, that's awesome. And I said, no, it is not. It's not even close to awesome. Only God is awesome. And he's like, yeah, right, right, right. Now, if you're not with me on this, then you come to church and be lame. All right? You come to church with nothing to say to God. I'm saving some words for him. It takes practice, though. So just hang out with me a little bit. I'll cut you off right away. No problem. Okay? Love you. Love you. Love you. This is an awesome, awesome scene. If you want to move inward, um, 
It's, it's really uh, incredible. An infinite, or so it would seem, number of glorious angels in formation encircling the throne room of God in heaven itself. Next circle in, four creatures, massive and mysterious, encircling the throne. Then the elders, 24 of them, falling down, casting their crowns, representing all believers of all time and closest to the Lord. Then the dazzling emerald rainbow encircling the throne and the Lamb, Jesus Christ. I'm just going to ask you this. Where is Jesus Christ in the four circles? Where is he? He's in the center, right. So center in heaven, no question about that. But central to me? Central to me? Central in my life? Central in my home? Central in my marriage? Central in my finances? Central in my time? Only you can answer that question. Central to me, now, worthy to me? Verse 12, is he worthy to me? Then I looked and heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, here it is, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. First of all, I'm just kind of fired up that Jesus Christ is receiving some things because I understand human history up to this point, he's mostly just giving. Giving, 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 giving himself, humbling himself, becoming, uh, even to the, uh, becoming a man, even to the point of death, even death on a cross, Philippians 2 says. I just love the idea that we're finally getting on the program. Worthy is he to receive. He's the one who should be receiving. He has the weight to receive. Notice the seven things. Is he worthy to me? Is he worthy to receive these things? Power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, blessing. Let's take them one at a time. Power. Now, uh, some people uh, would say that these are things that God the Father's giving him. I struggle with that because Jesus Christ is fully God. He's not diminished in any way. He is fully God. I, I think what I see here is the things that are being given. are We're worshiping. They're falling down before him. They're worshiping him. And then the angels are saying, all right, give. Give to him. He's worthy to receive. First of all, power. How much power do you have? Even the person here who would be like, I'm glad you asked that. I have a lot. Yeah, maybe on your street. Maybe in your little corner office there. Um, but what power do we really have? Uh, what I wrote down was uh, his, my thimble into his ocean. All right? Little power that I have. I have a little power over this church if I don't abuse it. But there's checks and balances to make sure that no one has too much power. That's the way it should be. Uh, power is one of the things that corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, it said. And no one should have total control of anything. All of us are, we should get into the habit of accounting because we're going to account to God, right? And, and uh, so couldn't I take my little bit of power, the power I have over my children, the power I have over my spouse, the the power I have over my finances, whatever it is, it's, it's all here. Let's give him the power. Worthy are you to receive power and wealth. Make a note there. I'm going to come back to that at the end when we take the offering. Last offering of the year. 
Worthy are you to receive power and wealth and wisdom. You're worthy to receive wisdom. And, and, and there's a lot of wisdom in this church. A lot of you have a lot of insights and abilities. And, 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 and who's that for? Do I use the wisdom and knowledge and understanding that God's given me to advantage myself? Or do I use it to advance God's kingdom and to bless others? He's worthy to receive my wisdom. Whatever wisdom you have and insight, things you've learned, that should be for him. You should, I want to share that. One of the greatest things we could do with our life is take the things that God's taught us and use them to help others, isn't it? Worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might, might, all of my energies. Um, some of our worship team members are leaving right after church, and I'm leaving first thing in the morning for Indianapolis. I'm going down there for three days to speak to uh, 2,000 Campus Crusade workers and students. <laughs> and, <laughs> and all week long, I've been like, what am I doing this for? Why do, so people ask me to go speak somewhere, and it's like two years away, and I'll be like, Jesus is going to come back before then for sure. So I'll, yeah, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> And then, oh, why did I say I would do this? And I've been thinking that all week till I came to this passage. And I thought to myself, because he's worthy to receive all of my might. He's worthy to receive all of my energies. I need to live a healthy life, but it's not wrong to tire myself. It's not wrong for you to tire yourself in serving Christ. If you're a little weary, if you're a little tired, he's worthy to receive my power and wealth and wisdom and might. Honor and glory go together. They're, like, they're really synonymous. Any recognition, any praise that I might receive is reflected to him. Any thanks that I might get, any expression of appreciation. It's not like I say, oh, it's not me, it's not me. Thank you. Thank you for encouraging me. But I'm the moon. I'm not the sun. If the sun goes out, anybody want to live on the moon if the sun goes out? Uh, very cold and very dark. Even the moon knows that the glory belongs to the sun. And every follower of Jesus Christ should know that the glory belongs to the S-O-N, to the sun. Anything praiseworthy in your eye is but a dim reflection of the glory of who he is. And so he's worthy to receive all of the honor and all of the glory. And finally, he's worthy to receive all of the blessing all of the affirmation, all of the praise, all of the words that we could form in worship to him. What we're saying is, is that Jesus Christ himself is on uh, this side of the scale, and it's heavy. There's some weights in there, and it's heavy. And, and what it means is no matter how much we could put on this side of the scale, it would never, it would never outweigh who he is, never. He's always worthy. There's no amount that we could put on here of glory and honor and wisdom and power and blessing and, there's, there, and wealth. There's, there's no amount that we could give him where people say, you kind of overdid it there. He always has the weight. You get it? He's always worthy, no matter how much we would give. But here's the question. Worthy to me? You understand conceptually what I'm talking about. But how's that going in your life? Is Jesus Christ receiving all of your power, all of your wealth, all of your wisdom, all of your might, all of your honor and glory, and all of your blessing? Central to me 
worthy to me. Here's the third thing. Worshipped by me. Notice in verse 13. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them. Ha! Another circle. We got circle five here now. We got the emerald rainbow and the 24 elders representing all of humanity. And then we've got the creatures and then we've got the 10,000 times 10,000 angels. And now all created things, every creature, every animal. And I heard every creature in heaven, somehow a supernatural capacity will be given to the lion and the hippopotamus and the giraffe and the bear. But not just on earth, also under the earth, all animals that live under the earth, all creatures, and in the sea, the whales and the dolphins and the sharks and Somehow another circle surrounding the angels in heaven and somehow supernaturally joining the chorus and saying, look up here, what every created thing was created to say. The reason why they exist is that he might receive worship. And here's what they say. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb God the Father, God the Son. To him who, now that see them together, how can you miss the deity of Christ? How false is the cultic notion that Jesus Christ is just human? Here he receives the same attributes with other things added along with God the Father. I mean, you can't miss it. The God, not a man, the God who became man. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Do you get it? The deity of Jesus Christ. And to the Lamb be blessing and honor. We've talked about those. And glory and might. That's a different word than translated might up earlier. This word kratos uh, means dominion, control, almost sovereignty, rulership. To him belongs final word, might. Uh, some of your translations might even have dominion there. And then notice forever and ever. Not just today. Be to our God as we were just singing what? Forever and ever. And uh, I don't know when you started on this Jesus Christ is Lord thing. Maybe when you were a little kid. Maybe when you were in college. Maybe uh, later in life. I, I don't really don't know your, I don't know when you started. But here, here's what I want to tell you. It's, it, it needs to be growing. I love Jesus Christ more today than I ever have. And it's going up. It's not that I haven't had some little dips on the waveform. I'm just telling you, it's going up. It's more. And it's going to be getting <clears throat> louder and clearer, God willing, and he is willing, for the rest of my life. God help me, I should say. God helping me, it's going to be getting louder and clearer for the rest of my life. Worshipped by me. Yes, absolutely. If we could stick a little worship meter in you. Think about the number of times you've been to church this year. If we could stick a little worship meter in you. Is it getting louder? Is it getting clearer? Or is it getting quieter and more routine? Hey, hey, Jesus is not a phase I'm going through. 
all right? It's not a phase. It's not, a, it's, it's not just like, oh, I had my Jesus time. What are you talking about? He's not a part of my life. He is my life increasingly more and more. That's what it means to be one of his followers. Worshipped by me. Worshipped in truth. John 4, 24. God is spirit and those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. Worship in truth according to what he's revealed based on what I know. As my knowledge of him grows, my worship of him grows. How could you not love him more if you know him more? Worshiped in truth, but worshiped in spirit, with passion, with energy, with volume, with focus, with my hands, with my head, with my eyes, everything that I am. Love the Lord your God with your heart and soul and mind and strength. Life is the chance to choose worship. You know, in heaven, you're going to score 10 out of 10 in worship. Trust me on that. You will be maxing it every chance you get, all right? You're going to be a 10 out of 10 when you get to heaven, and so are you. You're going to be killing it in worship in heaven. Let me tell you, look at that guy. He's all over it again. That's why life is so amazing, because now I get to choose it. It's not flowing naturally. It's flowing as a choice of faith, as an exercise of my will. These are great moments. I can choose to worship him today. Central to me, worthy to me, worshiped by me. Lastly, conqueror to me. Conqueror to me. Notice in the text. The four living creatures said, amen. Meaning this is as it should be. We studied that word a few weeks ago. It means I agree. More popular today would be, we would say, it's what it is. End of story. The four living creatures witness the five concentric circles of worship and they're like, amen. End of story. As it should be. And the elders just fall down and worship again. It's like, do it again. Do it again. The four living creatures said amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Jesus Christ conquered everything in them. Conqueror to me? Has he conquered worry? Has he conquered anger? Has he conquered selfishness? Has he conquered pride and oversensitivity, feelings that are easily hurt? Offenses that are eat pride at its pride. Great, great, great conqueror in the universe. But conqueror to me, conqueror in me, central to me, worthy to me, worshiped by me, conqueror in me. So I hope that you've been really encouraged today through this clear teaching from God's Word. I just want to thank you from the whole team for listening to the James McDonald podcast, where the learning is for loving, loving God, and for loving others more and more until we see Him face to face. 
Thank you for standing with us. Your prayerful support is our lifeline to continue this gospel partnership, and it makes podcasts like these possible. If you're not part of a vibrant, life-giving gospel church, check out this new alternative. It's called the Home Church Network. You can get it at homechurchnetwork.global. All the ministry information, Bible teaching, and and resources are there, and also at jamesmcdonaldministries.org. Hey, thank you again for listening.